Well, I got to do a good intro here. Amen. If you're joining us online, God bless you. Everybody wave at the camera. Tell them we're glad you're here. Amen. We are glad that you're at West Houston Christian Center tonight, and uh, you are in for a treat. I have known the Birchfield family for 40 years. Andrew's mom, who used to be Rachel Cook, used to be Rachel Cook's Believer's Boot Camps. And when I was a a rebellious teenager, my mother would drag me to Rachel Cook's Believer Boot Camps. And uh, it's so funny, and I've known Andrew and I, we're, we're both sons in the ministry. And so we've spent a lot of time together not talking bad about our parents in any way, shape, or form. Always, no, but we just a lot of similarities. And uh, I think Andrew, uh, to me, has an anointing in forward thinking. And it's, very, uh, it's a very, very interesting anointing. The way that he thinks, his communication skills, his organizational skills. There are people that go to school and get masters and get degrees, and the Holy Spirit has imparted to Andrew so much wisdom when it comes to just being able to to communicate to communicators. He's just it just operates at a higher level, and so I'm always excited when he gets to share. I'm going to bring him on up now. Can we all stand and give Brother Andrew Birchfield a big hand? You're too kind. I love you. Oh man, thank you so much. Oh, it is good to be with the West Houston Christian Center family. You can turn to someone and say, thanks for sitting next to me and have a seat. (laughs) We're super, super glad and very, very, very excited. Uh, I bring greetings from all of us in in the Birchfield family. Uh, We love this church. We love what this church represents. We love your founding pastors. I mean, just Pastor Jack and Mary Jean Pigeon. Aren't we so grateful for them and what? I mean, really, really. Come on, let's give honor where honor is due. We love you. We love you so much. And uh, I know, you know, for us, we call it uh, October. I hear you got a lot going on, and, and that's an exciting thing. And for them, they just call it another Tuesday. It's just, inc- you got to take vitamins just to keep up with these two and what God's doing here. It's just a great, great thing. But really, from all of us at Birchfield Ministries, and uh, from all of us at our home church, Believers at Outreach Church, we just say we love you. We call blessings to this church. We thank you, Jesus, for our relationship and partnership for literally over 30 years, your partnership with our ministry. We, we don't take that lightly. Because of you, we are able to bring kids to camp. We're able to see kids come to Texas Bible Institute. We are seeing lives transformed. We are taking Young Believers broadcast to the world, 196 nations on a weekly basis. Uh, It's exciting to see what Jesus is doing, and you're a part of it. You're a part of it. So we say thank you for it and really, really excited about what God is doing um, for, for that. I brought a buddy of mine along. His name is Xavier, and I wanted him to just come up and share with you just for a quick second. I just wanted to touch your heart. Xavier just graduated Texas Bible Institute, and he, uh, he did a great job. We got a, a microphone real quick that we could get to Xavier here. And I just, I, I love Xavier. I love his heart. Um, he's, he's a, he loves Jesus. You know, don't, don't, don't let all these muscles fool you. He's, he's a good-looking guy, but more importantly, he's big on the outside, but his heart's bigger on the inside. And I just wanted him to bless you today and just say, say a quick hi to you guys. Well, hi, as you mentioned, my name is Xavier. Uh, I want to say thank you very much for the opportunity just to be up here to, to your pastors, Pastor Pigeon, and just his beautiful family, and to Pastor Andrew for giving me the opportunity. Uh, like he said, I'm trying to catch up to your pastor. Uh, he's pretty yeah. big, pretty big guy, but uh, I'll get there one day. But um, 
it's just been a blessing uh, to be able to work alongside Pastor Andrew and just see what God is doing within every single church everywhere. And one thing that has been in my heart is faith without works is dead. And what I mean by that is coming to the church, coming to your local church, and just seeing what God has for you and receiving is that, that action that God's at waiting for us to do. You know that activating our faith most more than anything, and it's just been a blessing to, to be a part of it and to join you guys tonight here. So I just say thank you, and um, thank you once again. Yeah, that's awesome. I love him. Appreciate him, everything that's going on. Uh, I bring greetings. My, my world personally has really been on a fun roller coaster the past literally year and a half. So in May of 2018, I got married. And to the love of my life, she wishes she could be here right now, but she's, she's at home with our eight-month-old because shortly after we got married, we found out we were pregnant. Who knew? That's how that works. Okay. So... It was amazing. I got a picture I want to show you of Amanda and Benjamin. So uh, Amanda is, uh, she's the love of my life. God, she is anointed. She's Mexican, which means she's feisty. And she's spicy. And I love her. And she keeps me on track and it keeps us moving. And I'll tell you, it was funny on our, on our very first date. She was, she was a TBI student. Uh, I, was, I was her teacher, obviously had to wait for graduation, wasn't going to do anything there. And so she graduates, we start talking, we start dating, I get the blessings, the green lights from everybody. I remember even telling your pastor, Pastor Jack C, I was like, yo, there's this girl, man. And like, whoa, I, I'm getting resaved all over again, like this is great, you know, and, uh, and everything. And so we go on our first date, Michael, first date. You know that awkward like first date where you're just like trying to like remember your name, let alone remember her name. And so I just, I was like, well, I was, tell me about your family, you know? And she said, she goes, well, why don't you tell me about your family? I said, well, I've got four cousins on my mom's side, no cousins on my dad's side. And her jaw drops to the floor. And I was like, oh gosh, did I offend her? It's over. Like we're not even 10 minutes in and it's over. Like I thought she was the one and I'm done, you know? And she said, did you say four? I said, yeah. I said, I have four cousins on my mom's side and no cousins on my dad's side. And she said, okay. Well, I'm just kind of confused because I have 40 cousins on my mom's side and 40 cousins on my dad's side. Look at this picture of our wedding photo. This is, this is only her dad's side of the family. And I will tell you, it, there has been nothing greater. Any other Hispanics in the room who know exactly what I'm talking about, right? I mean, it is exciting. Forget turkey and dressing at Thanksgiving. We're talking tamales. We're talking sweet bread. It's a good, good. I, I am blessed of the Lord. It is a good thing. But we bring greetings from our family. We just, we love you. We love, we love this church. We love what Jesus is doing. I, and I, I couldn't go a step further without saying thank you for sharing your pastors with other pastors. You know, when you think about it, when people need help, they go to churches. Well, what do we do when churches need help? Churches have to go to other churches. And you know what? Surprise, pastors are people too. Who would have thunk it, right? Pastors, they have emotions. They have things that they carry. They have their uh, question. They want to they serve the sheep. And I can tell you, you have some of the finest pastors on the planet here. And I, and, and I haven't had the, the privilege and honor to know our founding pastors well, but, but Pastor Jack C. and I, like he said, we, we, go, we go back and we, we get together and we wrestle. And sir, I just wanted to say, wrestle, not like physically, because that, we all know how that would end. And that, yeah, that's a, let's, Jonathan, let's cut that out, all right, cool. Uh, but I just, I, I really, I wanted to just publicly say, sir, I love you. 
I'm grateful for our friendship. You have no idea how, how much you have helped me in times of my life. Um, you have been an anchor in very rocky waters for me. And I love you, and I look forward to the years to come in our friendship, in this church, and all that God's called us to do. The best is yet to come. So, And we all know that the reason he's so awesome is because his wife Michelle is so awesome, right? And so we say thank you to you as, as well. We, we, literally, we showed up at a birthday dinner one time for, for Pastor Jack C. We walked in, and Michelle comes in with two cakes. One of them has peanuts and one doesn't. And she says, I just didn't know if anybody would have peanut allergies. And so I wanted to be sure, and I wanted to make two cakes just in case. And I was like, you're a normal. Like, who in the world has that much compassion for the humanity of people at the table that they would make two cakes? I'm trying to figure out what a, how to make a cake in general. Like, and you're out here making two cakes, your intentionality and your heart for administration and for order and for the kids of this house uh, is, is to be admired. And not only this church sees it, but the entire church sees it. And we, we love you for, we love you for that. All right, before I turn into waterworks, let's get into the Bible here. If you got your Bibles, open up to John chapter 9. I hope you brought your Bibles. Open it up, turn it on, whichever is your style. And we are super excited because I realize what God is doing. And you know, anytime God is doing something and you're amongst God's people, you, you typically start saying the same thing. And I, I really, really am excited about what I believe Jesus has for us because as exciting as it is and what has been before, you have a lot of exciting things in front of you too. And, and there's this church not only this church, but the body of Christ, those with ears will hear, the body of Christ is in a massive transition right now. Things that have been going on for decades and decades and decades are coming to a close, not because they're bad, not because they're shattering, not because they're failing, merely because their lap of the race is being completed and they're passing it on to the next generation to take it up and continue to run with it. We, we have to, you know, a lot of the times we think about success and we think about success in numbers and, and like Jack said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a data guy. I like numbers. I like graphs. I like all that kind of stuff. And I think a lot of the times the reason we, we question the success of the church is because we're looking at too small of a, a data set. We're trying to figure out what the church is doing in literally a 30-year time span. Let's look at it in a 300-year time span. If you look at South Korea, for example, South Korea 100 years ago literally had less than 1% of the population who were proclaimed as Christians. Now, 100 years later, there's 10 million professing Christians in the nation of South Korea. This place has to recognize through that camera and this faith, we can go to the world and touch nations without ever stepping foot on the soil. So it requires all of us to think different. It requires all of us to believe different. It requires all of us to say, just so because it worked that way yesterday might not mean it's the same way before. Transportation was awesome. Man, I am so glad. I cannot wait to go out and get the next horse and buggy. There's not a person in here who's looking for a horse and buggy. Why? Because transportation changed. And as we changed with the times and as we changed with what was going on, we were able to take what was given to us and move forth. So, you know, change is super exciting and it's super uncomfortable all at the same time. Everybody loves change until it affects them. 
Everybody loves change until it affects them. But can I just say this? What if the change is not for you? What if the change is for the person next to you, the person behind you, the person around you? What if at that point, then the change becomes something more than yourself? I applaud a church that has been faithful for 30 years. We've got millennials who can't even stay focused for 30 seconds. They they change churches every 30 days let alone stay faithful to the house of God for 30 years. Come on, that's something to be excited about. And I, I just, I love where we're going, and I love what I'm seeing in the scripture, and I believe that it's going to help all of us today. I'm reading in John chapter 9. I'm really freaking out over the Passion Translation these days. If you're not familiar with the Passion Translation, check it out. It's really, really great. I'll get to New King James in a little while, just so everyone will quit twitching and we'll all feel a lot better about life. But um, John chapter 9, I want to read this to you. Jesus, let's set the stage. Jesus is walking through the streets and he's trying to always do two things. He's always about the Father's business and he's always teaching the disciples. Always. Everywhere he goes, kingdom is happening. The kingdom is always found in demonstration, but it's also found in training. If you're not training somebody, you really aren't truly expressing the full capacity of what the kingdom is available to you, right? So we understand Jesus is here and he goes, and I'm starting at verse number one here. After, afterward, as Jesus walked down the street, he noticed a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, teacher, whose sin caused this guy's blindness, his own or the sin of his parents? Jesus answered, neither. It happened to him so that you could watch him experience God's miracle. While I am with you, it is the daytime, and we must do the works of God who sent me while the light shines. For there is coming a dark night when no one will be able to work. As long as I am with you, my life is the light that pierces the world's darkness. I hear you guys have been talking about light and darkness and exploding stuff. Thanks, Pastor Mary Jean, for getting ahead of my message. No hard feelings. All right. Verse number six, then Jesus spat on the ground and made some clay with his saliva. Hashtag gross. Then he anointed the blind man's eyes with the clay. And he said to the blind man, now go and wash the clay from your eyes in the ritual pool of Siloam. So he went and washed his face and he came back. He could see for the first time in his life. I want to talk to you tonight about this idea of messy miracles. Messy miracles. Track with me for a little bit, but before we do that, we need to pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for all that you're doing in us and through us. We thank you for your word. We thank you it's alive. We thank you that everything that we hear, everything we see, everything we receive is by your spirit today. And Father, whether we are physically here in the building or whether we're holding the service in the palm of our hand on YouTube, Father, we know that you are faithful and just to be able to speak to us in a way that only we can hear. And we are grateful for your word and we're grateful for today. And Lord Jesus, if there's any love out there for the Denver Broncos, we really could use the help. Um, It's not looking too good, but we believe and we're, we're people of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I am a Denver Broncos fan, and that has nothing to do with why all of my slides are blue and orange. All right, continuing. So, <clears throat> messy miracles. Paint this picture for a second. Jesus is walking down the street. 
He's walking down the street and he sees someone in need. How many of us walked anywhere today and walked past someone in need? Every person in the room. Great. So we already have a criteria where we're all on the same boat as Jesus. Rocking. That's a good Tuesday. I'm on the same level as Jesus. I'm walking down the street around people in need. And in this moment, there's a blind man who was born blind at birth. His entire life, all he has known is darkness. I can't even begin to sympathize and empathize with someone who would not be able to see. I don't know what that's like, but I could only imagine it'd be very difficult. And I could only imagine that I would probably feel left out as an outsider when everything else around me is going and I'm hearing the hustling and bustling and all of the stuff around me and I am unable to partake in what is going on. That must be really frustrating. And Jesus takes this moment and he starts turning it into a teaching where the disciples have questions and even in the sense of the disciples having questions, Jesus says, hey, we'll get to that, but let's give this guy his blind eyes. Let's heal him first. And then we'll answer the questions. And Jesus goes down, and as we just read in the text, and he spits in the ground. It came from his mouth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and was with God, and the Word always came from God's mouth. If it's coming from God's mouth, it's anointed. If it's coming from God's mouth, it can be used for glory, glory, glory upon glory. Saliva comes from his mouth and he mixes it. God takes what is anointed and mixes it with what is nothing. And all of a sudden, now, homeboy's fixing to get a free facial from Jesus. And he's fixing to go and he takes this mud and he puts it on the guy's face and he says what? He says, now you have to go wash it off. I showed you a picture of Benjamin. He is eight months old, 22 pounds. The boy's big. He loves to eat. I can remember that first, anybody have kids in here? If you have kids, raise, raise your hand. Okay. So you remember that like horrible first six weeks where they're not sleeping like at all? And you're like so sleep deprived and just you're mad about everything in life, you know. And every person who comes up to you comes up to you and says, hey, it's going to get better. And you're like, shut up. I don't want to hear that right now. Like, I'm just trying to sleep, okay? This is, whole, this is our, our first child. And so, you know, we're trying to get a hold of all of this stuff and figure it all out and everything. And I remember the first day. I'm a big coffee guy. I love coffee. And I remember the first day I was like, okay, uh, I feel kind of normal again. I think I know my name, and I'm going to go, and I just want to read my Bible in peace and quiet, and I'm, I'm going down, and I sit down to read my Bible. I've got my cup of coffee that came fresh from a French press, and I'm sitting there, and as I open the book, the Bible, to look, I see that there is some way, somehow, the residue of Benjamin's diaper, we'll say it that way has spread all across my arm. And I'm thinking in this moment, and I'm smelling the fragrance of what this wonderful offspring of mine has created, and I'm thinking to myself, how can something so perfect in this moment be also so messy and so stinky? You know, I don't think it's a coincidence that we have to realize that in this life there will be trials and tribulations. 
Pastor Jack C. said, I'm, I'm family, so he said I can go where I need to go. I was raised in a word of faith movement, the same way that this church is, and where the word of faith teaches us so much about proclaiming forward, and that's a beautiful thing. We sometimes fail to mention the aspects of the Bible that are still in Scripture, like tough times, like struggling, like suffering, things that where, yes, we have dominion over, but it doesn't change the fact that we have to go through it. And sometimes the only way to get to the end of a situation is to go through the situation. And how do we go through the situation? We go through it through the power of faith. It is faith that gets us through the situation. I think it's so interesting here that Jesus tells this blind man that after he's getting the free facial, he says, now I want you to go to the pool of Siloam. Do you, have you heard this before? I got a picture of it that I want to show you just to kind of show you a little bit of what it's like. So the pool of Siloam, this is really interesting in, in, in the history side of things. You know, it's amazing how you can literally find anything on Google, like absolutely anything in the world you can find on Google. Someone will I'll ask me a question question, you know, in the office or something, be like, I wonder how many churches there are in the southern hemisphere of the country of Asia. And I'm like, yeah, it's funny. I guess we'll never know. Hmm. Guess we could ask Google, you know, and it's amazing what you can find. And so I, I pulled this up and I started learning things about this pool that was so fascinating. This pool literally was created and connected to what they seem to believe is Hezekiah's tunnel. Hezekiah's tunnel, way, 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 way back in the Old Testament, was this tunnel that literally ran underneath the entire city. This tunnel ran under the city. It was like an aqueduct, essentially. And what it was doing is it was bringing water from a fresh spring. The Gideron spring is the way it says. That you could say it more Hebrew with a but I would just mess it up, so I'm not going to do that. So the Gideron spring would bring water fresh to the pool. The, the meaning of the spring is fountain of the virgin. Virgin in the sense from all of us in here would understand untouched, pure, similar to the saliva that came from Jesus' mouth, pure, untouched. And this water begins to flow down to this pool that was smack dab in the middle of all of the religious stuff. I love that. Because what Jesus didn't say was, hey, just go wash it off. No, he told him exactly where to wash it off. And he said, you need to go wash it off in the pool of Siloam. And what he's really saying is, hey, when you wash it off, wash it off in the purity that comes from something that is untouched with unfilth. It is as clean and crisp as can possibly be. And here is this man who now has received his miracle yet he still has some work to do. How many of us have already received our miracle by faith, yet it has not been manifested yet because there's still some work to do? It doesn't mean we don't know what to do. It just means there's still some work to do. And this blind man, I can only imagine, he's blind, he's seeing darkness, he's got mud on his eyes, and he is walking around in the dark, but he has the faith and the understanding of knowing that his miracle is found as soon as he starts washing. And as soon as he starts washing, things are going to clean up. And I believe that I can prophetically declare today, here and in this region, some things are fixing to clean up. It might still seem dark. 
It might still seem like there's some uncertainty. It might still seem like there's something that just doesn't make sense. But can I tell you, if things are messy in your world right now, congratulations. That means a miracle is on its way. Because Jesus comes and Jesus does what only Jesus can do. There's something, there's a value that comes with mess. We live our lives trying to get order And order's great. I'm the biggest guy of order of all. But can I say that sometimes your miracle's not going to come exactly the way you expected it to come. So which do we want? Our way or his miracle? I'll take his miracle any day of the week over my way of doing things. Jesus gives the instructions of what this man needs to do. And the mess, all of a sudden... This mud that other people are washing off because they don't want it just became the highest prized possession of everything in the region because now this mess actually has something that I can work with. I was thinking about this randomly, again, just randomly, curiosity, and you can find everything on Google. I found this painting. This is crazy. This painting, I want to show it to you. This is the second most valuable painting in the world. It is called The Interchange, and it was sold for $300 million. I think Jesus is calling me to be a painter. I feel it right now in this moment. And if we were to look at that painting, some might say, it's kind of messy. Some might say, well, where's the beauty in that? But can I tell you this? The painting is not about being beautiful to the one who is seeing it. The painting is beautiful because it came from the expression of the person who created it. And the person who created it puts a value and a price tag on it that is so much bigger regardless of how messy you and I might think it is. Jesus is here healing a blind man and he's teaching the disciples. He says, whose sin is this? Is this his parents' sin? Is this his own sin? And what does Jesus say? It doesn't matter. Let's get the guy messy because he needs a miracle. I've been raised in church my entire life, like out the womb straight to the pew. And in that, one thing is clear to me. Sometimes the only thing that you need to do to receive your miracle is wait on God. And you know what the hardest thing to do is when you're receiving your miracle? Is wait on God. And yet, in all of this mess, in all of this mud, in all of this junk, the only thing and the only person who thinks this is muddy, this is messy, and this isn't going where, is every person who's not blind. But if you're blind... You'll take it any way it comes. You'll take it any way it comes. And if Jesus wants to spit in mud and put it in my face, then we can do that. And imagine that. In this moment, the value structure has now changed. Something that is not of value because it's messy to somebody is very, very, very valuable. And in this moment, Jesus begins to give him instructions And as he goes and does the instructions of Jesus, ding, 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 
as he goes about and does the instructions of Jesus, what if he would have gone somewhere else? What if there would have been a bucket of water? Oh, I just, I feel water. I know that this guy's got water over here. Forget the pool of Siloam. I'm just going to come over here. Would he have still received the miracle? I don't believe so. That can be up to your own interpretation of Scripture. But I believe that when Jesus gives us instructions, it's because he cares so much about us that he wants to know every single detail is checked off and checked off again and checked off again. And in this moment, I can only imagine this blind man reaching for the pool of Siloam and he starts washing off his eyes and he starts seeing stuff. And for the first time ever, light has penetrated his darkness. I want you to go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 6. I want to throw up the Passion Translation. Jonathan, you on it? My man, that's what's up. I see you back there, boy. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. He says, For God who said, Let brilliant light shine out of darkness is the one who cascaded his light into us. The brilliant dawning light. What does dawning mean? You know the sunrise where it's coming up and it doesn't start that bright, but the brighter it gets, it gets brighter and brighter because it's dawning up. I can imagine it's similar to the way a person who's never seen light before in his entire life, his eyes begin to dawn and there's light coming into his life. I believe that there's people who you, you feel the miracle coming and there's a dawning coming of light into the miracle of your life and you see a little glimpse, you see a little bit of hope, you don't really know exactly exactly if that's the color or if that's a tree or if that's a rock, but you can just tell that light is coming. Can I boldly, boldly say, as we've been talking about in this church family, that light explodes out of darkness. And what I love about that is that it's not light going into darkness. It's light coming from darkness. So if you have darkness around you, you can be uh, fulfilled in knowing that, hey, it's really dark right now. That means light can come from this. My, my dad, we call him Pastor Daddy, Pastor Tommy. Pastor Tommy always says that when there's clouds in the sky, that is a sign to us that he could return at any moment. Because the Bible says when Jesus returns, there will be clouds in the sky. And I remember being an eight-year-old kid driving in the back of the truck with dad, and he would just look up. He could come today. He could come today. And then there'd be a day where there wasn't a cloud in the sky. He's taking a vacation today, you know? And there was this idea and this understanding that, hey, the things around you, we pick up on that. We find hope in that. So can I say, hey, if you're in darkness right now, maybe you're in the darkness of sin. Maybe there's something in your life that nobody knows about. Congratulations, you're in a great place for light to erupt from that. And the light comes from the darkness, not into the darkness. Does that make sense? And understanding that this blind man who was so confused and seeing light for the first time, he now is in a place because he followed this messy miracle, something that nobody else would want to do. He's in a position to receive what God has for him, which is what he wanted the entire time. Let's read the same verse in the New King James. The New King James, it says it this way, for it is the God 
who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What's the first thing the blind man sees for the first time in his life? I believe it was the face of Jesus. I believe that when the light came forth and as he's washing and rubbing and taking time, as I'm learning with my eight-month-old son, sometimes one wash just doesn't cut it. You got to go back and wash your hands again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And I wonder if it's the same way with us as believers. It's not enough just to come in once a week to church or just read my Bible once in the morning. You got to wash and wash and wash and wash and wash and wash. And what are you washing? You're washing your way to your miracle. You're washing your way to your miracle. And how do you wash your way to your miracle? You wash it with the word. You wash it in faith. There's four ways that I like to wash myself when it comes to this. I read the word. Man, when you read the word, man, something comes alive in you. And that's an exciting thing. You can wash yourself. You've got a a, a situation going on in your life. Guess what? Find you a scripture. And I promise you this, out of the hundreds of thousands of scriptures that are in the Bible, God will give you one. And that one scripture, that one scripture will carry you through some of the darkest seasons of your life. And it's that one scripture that becomes a little bit of light on the inside of something really, really dark. And it gives you the faith and the hope to know that it's going to come. Read the word. Another thing I like to do is I like to see the word. What does that mean? I don't want to just read it in my Bible. I want to write it out. I want to see it in my own handwriting. I want to put it on an index card. I want to put it up on the wall. I want to make my phone screensaver a scripture instead of something else. Like I, I, want, to, I want to see the word because see what happens is when you see the word, you're seeing light. And when you're seeing light, you're seeing Jesus. And when you see Jesus in his face, you see his glory. And when you see the glory of God, you see the purpose of God. And when you see the purpose of God, you feel the fulfillment of, I am a son and a daughter of God. I am the fully created second. Everything that is within me is embodied in what? In the word. Why? Because we find our righteousness in Jesus. So when we see light, when we see Jesus, when we see the word, we actually are just looking at a mirror of ourselves. And I wish that we could see more people see themselves in the mirror of the word. A mirror doesn't work without light. You ever tried to look at a mirror in the dark? Try it tonight. Tell me how that goes. Can't see anything. Why? Because the light is required to bounce off and show a reflection of what is truly there. I love to see the word. I love to speak the word. Oh man, when you speak the word, you get to hear yourself then say it, even into the last part of hearing the word. Man, by the time you're there, you're reading the word, you're speaking the word, you're hearing the word, and it is a constant, constant, constant renewal. Pastor Jack C. has been talking about renewal in the church. What is the best way to renew is to recognize, number one, what needs to be renewed? Your spirit is saved. Your soul is being saved, and your body will be saved. So therefore, it only makes sense to keep the Word in the middle of all of that. We live in a day and an age. I sit down with them all the time. Young people who are questioning their faith, 
Young people who were raised a certain way and now want to go a different direction. Young people who don't understand Scripture and all, this, all these questions in, in a day where you can get on Google and find absolutely anything, it can be very, very difficult to stay plugged in to the strong, solid doctrines that we believe. Paul even warned Timothy about it. He said in the last days that there would be a falling away of the faith and that people would have different ideas and people would have different understandings and different doctrines. He warns about it. So, so people ask me, they say, PA, Pastor Andrews would be called PA for short. They say, PA, how do I stay true? How, how do I know what's going on? And the answer is simple, the word. Anybody who has ever walked away from the faith first walked away from the word. And if you walk away from the word, you walk away from everything else that Jesus is and represents because he is the word. That's why our churches have to have the word more than ever because we have people who are blind. They're in messy situations and they won't follow through through the miracle. You sit down with somebody, please, 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 I'll say it for him because he can't say it. Please don't come to Pastor Jack C and sit down at week one and say, Pastor, I just need help. Just my life is really going down the drain. And he says, okay, well, let's talk about that. And he sits down and he gives you what to do and he gives you scriptures to read and he tells you what to do and he says, okay, I'll see you next week. And you come back in and you say, hey, how's it going? Pastor, it didn't work. Well, what do you mean it didn't work? Did you read the scripture? No. I didn't feel like it. When did feelings trump our faith? When did we find ourselves in positions? Jesus gives us the opportunity to walk out our miracles, but it's our job to continue to wash and continue to read and continue to see and continue to hear, continue to speak, to do all of these things. And I believe with everything that's within me that as we continue to wash and as we continue to go over and over and over, sure, there's many great ways to receive the word. There's devotionals. There's awesome videos on YouTube that you can watch. There's podcasts that you can listen to. There is, there, there is, a, there is so much content out there. It would take you a lifetime times 10 to consume it all but if you stay in it however that light is getting into you just keep that light coming into you and the more that light comes into you the more all of a sudden you're going to see things we were not even going to get into the rest of the chapter where the religious people get involved and they don't really like the way this is going down and this is all like, why are you healing on the Sabbath? And da, 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 da. Hey, all that this guy knows is that he was blind. Now he can see. And he was happy. He was happy to be thrown out. He was happy to be thrown out of the religious circles. And where did he get thrown out to? The feet of Jesus. I know you got burned somewhere. I know you got a story. I know you got a testimony from 20 years ago that you're still trying to let go of. Can I just tell you, if you let the light of Jesus come into your heart, if you get a little messy and start washing some stuff up, you're going to find yourself at the feet of Jesus. And you're going to find yourself face to face with the glory of God in the most immaculate way possible. I'm in this new season just personally as I wrap up here. I'm in this season personally of my life where I am redefining what I call success. Success has been defined so much by everybody around us, numerics, 
numbers, status, all of this. No, 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 no. My success is being redefined because I have a little one in my home now. And my success will be 100%. And Benjamin, I love you, bub. You're going to be able to watch this 30 years from now on YouTube. And you're going to be able to see if daddy did this right. But I'm doing one thing and one thing and only. Can I teach the nature and the character of God to my son? And if I can instill a light in the word into him, then I have done my job. Because it's not about personal destiny, it's about generational legacy. And it might not be necessarily about what Andrew Birchfield can do in his lifetime. What if it's about what Andrew Birchfield can do in his lifeline? And my great, 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 great grandchildren can go back to YouTube and Google Grandpa Andrew Birchfield and find for the first time in the history of mankind, can find that there is something special about this idea of letting Jesus get you through messy situations. I'm not discounting the mess. I'm not discounting the blindness. We've all been there. I'm not discrediting what is available to us today. All I'm saying is that if you are in a dark place, don't let the mess of the mud hold you back from the light that's available to you. And the light that's available to you is only found if you wash the Word. Let's go back. We finish with this scripture in John chapter 9. That second part, kind of around verse 6, 7 area, somewhere in there towards the end. Start at verse 7. And he said to the blind man, now go and wash the clay from your eyes in the ritual pool Siloam. So he went and he washed his face and he came back and he could see for the first time in his life. I don't want for my ways or my traditions or my thoughts of how church should be to keep me back from seeing for the very first time. For seeing Jesus in a new way. I see my dad differently today because now I am a dad. And as you begin to focus on washing, can I just challenge you with this? What would it look like if the entire church said, Jesus, renew our mind on everything we know. Read scripture again for the very first time with fresh eyes, with fresh understanding. And could it be possible that if we just start washing a little bit, we just start washing and rubbing, and sometimes the rub hurts. Sometimes the rub gets up in there and it's like, ah, this is painful. But can I tell you that as you're washing and as you're rubbing, what you're doing is you're getting to a place where you might just see something for the very first time. And I'm bold to believe and bold to declare that this church is fixing to see things it's never seen before. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised 
First Corinthians 2 chapter 9, eye has not seen and ear has not heard all that is to come. Do not get offended when you start seeing stuff on a Sunday morning that you've never seen before. You're rubbing, you're rubbing and washing. You're rubbing and washing. You're rubbing and washing. And what does that mean? It means that as long as we recognize and understand that what God is doing through leadership is God-ordained. It's a good thing. You can trust your leaders here. You can trust your pastors. You can trust what God is doing and what God wants to do. And because of that, I just believe that the entire body of Christ as I started this entire thing, is painting a really, what the world might see as a very messy picture, but in actuality, it's the most beautiful, valuable thing that the world has ever seen, and it's called the kingdom of God. And when we stop playing church and we start living kingdom, we're going to see things shake up in a real kind of way. Do you believe that? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for everything you're doing in us. I thank you for everything that you're continuing to speak to us. And Father, I just renew my mind. I renew my heart. I want to see things for the very first time. I want to be in a place to where if Jesus spits in it, I want it. And if Jesus puts it on my face, it's for a reason. And to follow the instructions as he has given, Jesus, I know you are faithful to complete everything that you've started because the light comes from the darkness and it shows us what we need to see by your grace, by your goodness, by your faith. We receive it tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys. Thank you for the honor of sharing with you tonight. It's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing.